it says most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinking drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And that's from uh, chapter three, more about alcoholism from page 30 in the big book. Good to see you. Good to see everybody. Good to see anyone. Uh, in case you don't know about Ocean City, Maryland, uh, we're a little island seven miles long by one mile wide that sits off the coast um, of Maryland, the East Coast of the United States. We have like surfers, golfers, and uh, retired people here. And there's maybe, uh, if you got us all in the same meeting, you might have 50 sober members of AA uh, if you got us into the same place. And now we're not allowed to do any of that. So uh, as you can imagine, um, it, it's lonely and I sure have enjoyed listening uh, to everybody so far. And I love the Aussie accent. I'm, I'm a surfer and I could just sit and listen to you guys and, and dream of waves and that type of thing. But that's not why you had me. Um, you invited me to come to share a little bit about my alcoholism with you. And, um, and I assure you that I'm the beneficiary of this. So I always like to say that if I say something different uh, than what your sponsor taught you that squares up with the big book or whatever else, by all means, believe the book, believe your sponsor. Uh, I'm one idiot surfer, you know, from Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, I, I don't know anything you don't know. I'm just right a dude in NAA. Uh, I was separated from alcohol on August the 30th of 04. I like to say it that way intentionally uh, around the first step. Um, and what that means is that on August the 29th, I was as drunk as I had ever been that year. And on August the 30th, I didn't have to take a drink all day long or anything else by the way, right? And there's no chapter in our book. There's no paragraph. There's no sentence. There's no step. You know why? You want to know what that's called? That's called a miracle, right? <laughs> and, there's, and what the rest of these steps do is help me to accept what just happened to me on that day, right? The most overwhelming, incredible thing that can happen in the life of an alcoholic happened and the rest of these steps help me to digest that, right? To accept it, to protect it, and to respect it, right? I accept it, I protect it by doing the rest of these steps, right? I respect it by bringing in those traditions into my life. And that's the significance to me of these spots. And I've gotten to be a part, I will uh, always like to hold this up. This is beautiful. This is a hand carved leather, like a uh, big book cover with my name. And uh, a guy, Mickey, out in Colorado that I think had something to do with starting this made me this book. It says, Speaker at Fox 2011. And this is like one of my most sacred possessions. So Fox is near and dear to my heart uh, because we speak about the program of action necessary to recovery uh, more than we do other things. A lot of conferences, we tell funny stories and connect through the fellowship and all that is, you know, super cool and great. Um, but I love talking about what got me up and out of alcoholism. The first step, I think, um, I guess the first thing I want to say, it is um, 
based on my experience, research, and working with lots of, of guys, it is hands down the most expensive step in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the only way. It, it costs tons of money. Uh, what you have to do is you have to drink a lot, uh, a whole lot. You have to get in a lot of you know trouble or lose wives and pay half of everything you ever had. You have to you know pay out child support for wives and you know the blameless children that it talks about we have you have to total cars and buy new cars and car insurance hikes and you have to pay lawyers right lots of lawyers you know you got to get through all that kind of stuff right you got to drink 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 the bar tabs whatever goes along with your drinking and you know what you get at the end of all of that i've heard that the average price of a seat in Alcoholics Anonymous, that average price is just over $500,000. And that means you add up every single drink, every single lawyer, every single court fine, every single, right, element, everything that is a collateral consequence of my alcoholism, doctors, bills, ambulance rides, right, lost houses, mortgages, cars. I mean, you know what I mean? I, the list goes on and on and on. And that's really the price of my first step, because really the only thing that's happened in the first step is it's an admission, right? It's it's a, and I like I, I like what um, Chris was just saying, right? It's an admission. Think about admission, right? You get an admission ticket into a concert. That means you get to come in, right? And what I'm doing is admitting, right? I'm allowing in a reality that's been a reality to everybody else in my life for probably five to 10 years before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? When I actually say those words for the first time, my name's Rich, I'm an alcoholic. If everybody that knew and loved me and had anything to do with me in my life was in that meeting, there would have been a resent. I would have said like, my name's Rich, I'm an alcoholic. And the whole room would have gone, no kidding, right? Like I would, I was the only person that didn't know. So what I'm doing is I'm admitting that reality. And I get there to that place of admitting the truth, that reality, however you like to say it. Uh, in my case, by like an endless series of events, in my case, there was no one event. It seems very hard um, to scare or have an adequate catastrophe, right? That's going to just like rattle my cage hard enough to where I go, oh my gosh, my drinking's a problem. I, I think that I must be powerless over alcohol, like whatever that means, right? I'd never heard those words before AA. Um, and I can tell you some of the things that I think would have captured the attention of a hard or a heavy drinker, um, you know, in high school, uh, we do a lot of keg drinking in fields where you build a bonfire because you're not allowed to drink here in bars until you're 21 so when you're like 16 17 18 that's how i drank a lot with fields and parties and i drove a cj7 jeep with no doors and no roof and a narrow wheelbase and i had three or four friends in it and a keg of beer in the back because i'm you know in my mind i'm really cool and uh, you know and i'm driving that thing and i go around a corner too fast and that jeep rolled three times off the side of the road. Uh, and you know what? All four of those people, we all had some scratches and cuts and a couple of broken bones, but nobody was killed. And there is probably somewhere, someone that that is adequate, right? They go, oh my gosh, my drinking almost killed myself and my four best friends. I got to knock this off, 
right? Doesn't phase me a bit. You know what I think about that? I get up from that. I walk away and I go, did you guys see that? That was some amazing drunk driving right there. That was like NASCAR where they roll a car and you walk away and, and I brag about, I mean, I think that is just cool. Like I'm a good drunk driver, right? At, um, I get arrested a lot. I come from a wonderful family. Um, nobody in my whole family drinks. So uh, I always like sharing that when I'm talking about step one, which as Chris said, it's a depressing step. Whoever picked the steps and sorted it out, I wish you'd have picked me to talk about something else. But I mean, I never complain because you take what you're given, right? That's part of AA is the, the we try to uh, perform humble labor cheerfully. And, and step one, I mean, all I'm going to tell you is how screwed you are, right? Like there, there's no hope in it. In fact, if I convey this message correctly, all I'm convincing you of is how screwed you are. Like that is the step one message. You are screwed, right? And I, I wish I got to bring you some hope in one of the other steps, but I will preview you that that's what the next 11 are all about, right? And step one is a setup based on this hopelessness uh, and that realization or that admission, however you like to visualize that, to get me ready and fully conceding. That's another way the book talks about it. I'm fully conceding to my innermost self right? That I'm alcoholic. And then that there's no way out of this thing, right? Other than maybe just maybe these 12 steps, right? Which you all convinced me we're going to produce this thing called a spiritual awakening, which you convinced me was my only way out of alcoholism, right? So how do I get to that place? I have to drink a lot. That's the alcohol is our big persuader. There's nothing I'm going to say in this talk that's going to convince anyone that they have a problem. And we're also not in the convincing business in Alcoholics Anonymous. We have a convincing department in AA. And that convincing department, um, you know, is called alcohol and, and the bars, which unfortunately are closed here right now. Um, you know, so our, our membership, right, the, <laughs> the normal entry into AA might might be seeing a little slowdown with the bars being closed, but you know, hopefully they're still at it at home, working their way. And what I now know, and I joke, and I hope you could, you know, tell over over the Zoom thing. I know alcohol did exactly what it was supposed to do in my life. Alcohol did precisely what God wanted it to do for me, and that was to beat me into a point of reasonableness, where maybe, maybe I'll be open to your ideas. And I believe that there's one bottom in Alcoholics Anonymous that, uh, and that's it. We all get to the same place. I'm no different than anybody on this Zoom call. And that's where I know deep down inside, I can't take so much as one more drink and I can't go one more day without drinking, right? And that maybe I'll try your steps. And um, that's a wonderful place to be. When I, when I get to that place, whether I'm there when I come into AA or it takes me to get to that second surrender, where I just say to myself, I'm out of ideas, right? And AA is an amazing program of action for people that are out of programs of action, right? Because as long as I've got one more idea about how I could pull this off, I'm gonna. And the way my first sponsor explained the step to me um, intellectually, which is all the book and Silkworth, I love Silkworth, but all he does is offer up an explanation, right? He offers up an explanation for what's going on with me. 
You know how I know what's going on with me? From my life experience, from my drinking, right? I've tried over and over and over and over again to stay stopped. And I'm never successful. And I know that. I hope you know, right? If I'm honest, that's what's going on. And he said the first part of this, that I'm powerless over alcohol. What is, you know, would you agree? I know you think you're really smart, Rich. But would you agree that powerless means that you have less power? And I'm like, yeah, that's I, I'm I'm down with that. That's not complicated. And he's like, well, let's talk about this unmanageable piece in the second part of the step. Is there any decision that you've made time and time and time again in your life? And I said, yeah, Jim, that I'm never, ever, ever going to take another drink of alcohol. And he said, well, how are you doing managing that? How are you doing? And that's the step one test. You know, I'm doing awful, Jim. I'm doing awful managing that decision. So that is the one thing I know about me more than anything in this world. What you're looking at, I'm a guy that has less power than is required to manage my own most sincere desire to never take another drink. And Silkworth explains to me why that's going on, that I've got a body that can't handle alcohol coupled you know, with a mental obsession, a mind, right? I got a body that can't handle it and a mind that won't leave it alone. That's a hell of a place to be, right? A mind that's going to always take me back to the thing that's trying to kill me, that first drink. And all that is, is an explanation. And he tells me about this mental obsession and this physical allergy, which certainly explains to me what I have going on in my life, right? Why it's happening. But you didn't have to explain to me what was going on, right? I knew what was happening from my experience. I tried over and over and over again to stop drinking and I couldn't. So really he laid it out to me. And yes, when I read the doctor's opinion, it did just precisely what it says. It explained many things for which I could not otherwise account, right? Because I'm a guy, I'm an achiever. I'm a doer. I'm a willpower guy. I get straight A's. If you say straight, I'll get, I don't know that I've ever had a B, right? I, you give me a degree, I'll get the degree. I'm an athlete. You know, I'm a, I've been a varsity wrestler the whole way through. My natural weight was like 140, but I wrestled 121. The coach says, I need you to drop 19 pounds by Friday and I make it happen. I make it happen. I'm a willpower, right? And then all, my whole life is like that, right? My father, society raised me. If you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. What are you going to do? Sit around and wait for it to just happen? If you don't get out there and make it happen, right? Nobody's going to just walk up and give you a raise. You got to ask for, right? I had all of that in my head. But then there's this weird thing with alcohol where none of that held true. None of that held true. I could achieve and do in all these other areas, right? But when it came to alcohol, my willpower was to no avail. And it didn't take a sponsor in AA to convince me of that. It took alcohol to convince me of that. And it took me trying to stop drinking many ways, many times, trying to taper off, trying to do all of the things on page 31 that I'm not going to sit here and read to you because I'm out of time and everybody can read it. But that is a beautiful, beautiful piece of AA literature on 31. And we all nod. Here are the methods that I've tried. Yep. Yep. Done that. And the last thing I want to say uh, to maybe make you smile, I don't know what they do in, in Australia. Uh, or wherever everybody else is, but in Maryland, at 15 years old, 14 years, 
I learned little jingles about drinking. Things like liquor than beer, nothing to fear. Beer than liquor, never sicker, right? And things like that. And you know what all those are? Those are all methods. Those are attempts to control and enjoy my drinking. And I don't know that normal people go through life having little plans and and having to try to figure all this out to how they could successfully pull it off. And it comes down to what was read in the beginning of more about alcoholism. At that young age, just like Chris, I don't want to admit that I might be bodily and mentally different than my peers. And guess what? I am. And it's turned out to be the greatest thing in my life because when I don't drink for a day, anything can happen. And I look forward to hearing the solution of the rest of these steps. So thanks for including me to talk about the most miserable step in Alcoholics Anonymous.